is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleman. It is Wednesday, July 8th, and the preview series rolls on. The champ is here. We're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs on the show today, but before we get to the Chiefs, we're also going to preview the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I like to go in alphabetical order, so we're going to start with the Jags here. Oh, Jacksonville. Very interesting indeed. And I think the team is, it, it just it starts from the top. It's interesting because Gardner Minshew is now a starting quarterback in the NFL. At this time last year, we did not even think that was remotely close to happening. And his pathway to get here, had this guy gone, you know, you, you make simple decisions in your life and you don't realize at the time how impactful they may be. He could have went in and been a graduate assistant and went, went, his, went his way as a coach, but he decided to go as a grad transfer to Washington State and put up massive numbers there in the air raid offense, then ends, up, and then ends up in Jacksonville as a backup quarterback, and then Nick Foles gets hurt, and Gardner Minshew steps in, and, I mean, was he... Was he technically the best quarterback in the league? No, not even close, but steps in, makes plays, puts up fantasy numbers in the process, and then basically, even with Foles back, kind of says, no, this is my job. Foles is gone. Foles is in Chicago. You can listen to the Bears preview. We did that uh, last week, so you can go back and listen to that if you missed it. But it's Minshew's show. And what I like about Minshew is that upside. Now, I'm not going to draft him in one quarterback leagues, but in two quarterback leagues, my strategy is pretty simple in two quarterback leagues. It doesn't have to be complicated to be good, by the way. In two quarterback leagues, I'm not going to draft the top guys. You can have Lamar, you can have Mahomes, you can have Watson, you can have Dak, you can have Kyler, heck, you can have Russ. I'm not going to draft those guys because I'm not looking at quarterback until really the fourth round. And it depends on how many quarterbacks are on the board in the fourth round. If there's a lot of them on the board, then I'm probably waiting to the fifth round. But typically, it's the fourth round, and then I circle right back. Fifth round, bang, grab another. So for me, I get those two out of the way. But I don't want to wait too long, especially if it's a 12-team league, to get that third quarterback. Because I don't often want to get a guy who is is not a starter. I mean, this year, you could look at Herbert and Tua as possibly guys you could grab But I don't often like to risk that. For me, Gardner Minshew is an ideal third quarterback. Because my third quarterback, typically my first two don't have that much upside, but they have very high floors. You know, so uh, Brady is like a quintessential for me over the last couple years. I've been grabbing him in two quarterback leagues left and right, or super flex leagues left and right. But the third quarterback, I want that upside, baby. And Gardner Minshew does have that upside. He showed us last year surprising upside. You know, this is a guy, again, expectations so low for him, but he had a, a run there in the beginning of the season. He was like a top 10 fantasy quarterback for a little stretch. So we know the ceiling is there. I don't mind taking a stab at him in two quarterback leagues, but let's talk about who he's throwing the football to because, again, another guy who we didn't expect and then he broke out, DJ Chark. Chark was phenomenal over that same stretch of time. That first eight weeks of the season was really when we saw uh, the surprising breakout, you know, during that stretch, first eight weeks of the season, he was fifth <laughs> among wide receivers. Now, obviously, he he faded back to the pack. He did have that big week 11, if you remember. But as a whole, 
over a thousand receiving yards, eight receiving touchdowns, seventy-three catches. I think we could see some regression in those numbers, and him, he he'll he could still be a fringe wide receiver two, if not just inside the wide receiver twos. Currently, have him projected at sixty-five catches, nine hundred nine receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns. So regression, but not in a bad way by any means. Because the thing about Shark, those are averages. We know his ceiling is very high. You know, and in fact, I've ranked back to back with Jarvis Landry. Chark at 26, Landry at 27. Chark's ceiling is significantly higher than Landry's. So if you're comparing them side by side, trying to decide between the two, for me in regular season long leagues, it's Chark every time. Anyway, uh, the number two, Didi Westbrook. I think that's fairly clear, but the unfortunate thing with Didi is because Chark has taken over, it's it, it, I I can't justify drafting even in late rounds. I'm draft I've drafted Didi in some best balls where you have a couple extra roster you know roster spots, but in regular size sixteen round leagues, not gonna look at Didi's way or Conley's way. They're more DFS guys, and the team did draft Lavishka Chenault, who is a specimen in person. The dude is jacked, uh, more of a short area guy, you know, a low A dot guy. Dynasty, there's appeal, but no appeal there, at least in the short term for me, uh, for regular redraft leagues. Uh, they also have Tyler Eifert. Can he stay healthy? He, he may be a 3-for-32 tight end. That's about all we're going to get out of Tyler Eifert. I think we really have to, to look at this backfield, though. So in the backfield currently, you have Leonard Fournette, you have Chris Thompson, you have Raquel Armstead, and I mean, I, I technically I'm projecting Divine Azigbo. He'll probably be a practice squad guy. That's what you have here. So, in other words, you have basically no competition for Leonard Fournette in the in early downs for sure. And I don't think you have that much competition for him in passing downs as well. Now, I did say this in one of the one of the pods early on here that um, you know there's no competition for him, and somebody hit me up on Twitter and said, "Well, what about Chris Thompson?" And I think it is worth at least talking about Chris Thompson because yes, early in his career, there were stretches where certainly he put up some impressive numbers as a receiver. Uh, in, and he came off. He's coming off a season where he did have 42 catches last year, so he was used in Washington. Now the question is: Is Jacksonville going to use him the same way? And I know people are going to say, "Well, Jay Gruden." And, and yes, there there is some of that connection there for sure. But my one rebuttal to the Chris Thompson argument, the big rebuttal, is he's 29 years old. Right now, as of the recording of this podcast, he turns 30 in October, so he's getting up there. He has, uh, if you look at his his career, he has played one full 16-game season. That came in 2016. 2019, he played 11 games. 2018, 10. 2017, 10. 16 was the 16 games. 2015, 13 games. This is a guy who, even earlier in his career, was not able to stay healthy what makes us think that you know he's going to be out there for 16 games this year? I, I highly doubt that. And I'm baking that a little bit into my projection of Leonard Fournette. Now, Leonard Fournette last year compared to Leonard Fournette this year. Let's just uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Because Fournette, I think was, a, I mean, hey, he was a big surprise. Because let's, let's face it, in 2018, he was a massive fantasy disappointment. He played the eight games that year, remember? He was widely drafted. 
in the first round, his ADP was uh, 10th overall, uh, 8th running back selected, only two wideouts selected ahead of him in 2018. And he didn't finish anywhere near that because of the injuries. And even when he was on the field, he was just a big disappointment. I, and and that leaves a taste in people's mouths. So last year, he goes out. Saw, we know he's going to get fed the rock in the run game. 268 carries, so big workload there. But I don't know if anybody saw 76 catches coming for Fournette. 76 freaking catches. 521 receiving yards. Now, he didn't score as a receiver, but big deal. He ends up finishing as the number seven fantasy running back that year, uh, or last year, I should say. And that was, I mean, you got a good, good bit of value on him. Because you weren't drafting him in the first round last year. You were typically drafting him in the late second. So solid value there uh, for Fournette. But the question is, you know, what do we think of him here? I know you could look to Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson doesn't worry me. Neither does Raquel Armstead. My big worry with Fournette has always been the team just seems to want to find a way to get rid of him. They want to find a way to trade him. They weren't able to do that. Of course, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So... I mean, part of me says, yeah, that's not good. But then the other part of me says, they're going to run him into the freaking ground. Like, let's let's go. Now, Spidey senses tingle a little bit. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm ranking him inside the top 10. I, I think that's just too bullish right now. I have him at 14, but I'll tell you, there's guys in that range who are all kind of in the same range for me. And, you know, where you're getting Fournette in drafts right now, I think is... It's perfectly fine. It's late second round again this year, which he's the 15th running back off the board. I think it's perfectly fine. I will I will take that shot, especially if you're getting him on that turn where you can come back around and and possibly take like a wide out in that spot, maybe scoop some value with the wide out. I don't mind that at all uh, with Leonard Fournette. So it's an interesting situation. There's no doubt about it. But he does present some value. He's just not a sexy name. I get it. All right, let's move on to the champs. And um, this is one of those teams, man. When you look at it for fantasy purposes, the Kansas City Chiefs, wow. You have potential elite guys across three positions. Potential number one guys across three positions. Not even potential elite guys. I would say all three positions, they already are elite. But potential number one guys. Patrick Mahomes could end up being the number one fantasy quarterback. Travis Kelsey, he's already been the number one fantasy tight end in each of the last three years. He could do a four-peat. Tyreek Hill could be the number one fantasy wide receiver. Again, if I was setting odds today, it's Michael Thomas. But Tyreek Hill would be one of the guys with the shortest odds. He's not chalk, but he's he's you know he's close there. So there you go. This team is stacked. So let's talk about Patty Mahomes to start things off. Last year wasn't fun for for Mahomes owners, and I think that's sort of twofold. I mean, it wasn't fun because he got hurt. But you had to spend such a premium pick to get him last year. You know, when you when you think about it, Mahomes was going in the mid-second round, number 20 overall. And it's almost impossible for quarterbacks to return value in that range, just given how deep the position is and how things fluctuate year over year in this league. But right now, if if you're telling me Lamar is going in round two. And then Mahomes goes in round three, probably a little too early still for me. I've seen Mahomes in round four. Now it becomes tempting because I was able, you know, my draft, I'm sure I have two running backs and a receiver, two receivers and a running back. Now I'm kind of like, 
Ooh, I could swing for the fences here because I could. Uh, hey, Mahomes already has he has a fifty touchdown season under his belt. I think he's going to have multiple. He has a five thousand yard season under his belt. He's going to have multiple of those. I don't even think I know that he's going to. So I want to catch that lightning again. I'm not going to try and do it in the third round, but I might do it in the fourth. He's not going to make that in your home leagues. I know. I know you're probably talking out loud to me right now, saying they're never going to happen. I know. But I do see that sometimes in industry leagues. So anyway, that's where we are. It's unfortunate. And we can't always own the best quarterbacks as a result. But he's at least we get to watch him play football. Because that was so much fun. Especially the, the playoff run last year. So fun to watch. And of course, it's so fun to watch Travis Kelsey. He is a rock star. He's no spring chicken. But when you think about his role in the offense, his connection with uh, Patrick Mahomes and the fact that the team isn't necessarily overloaded with wide receiver depth. I'll talk about the receivers beyond Hill in a moment, but it just sets them up for a heavy workload. And even if you re- reduce that workload a little bit, I mean, he's he's coming off of historic years from a yardage standpoint. 13-36 in 2018, 12-29 last year. I mean, hell, I'll take a, you know, a little over 1,000 yards from him and still be really happy, right? I have not projected currently at 83 catches, 1,063 yards, and eight touchdowns, which is a massive number. When you think about, though, the production, last year, last year he had one week outside of the top 15 tight ends. He only had four weeks outside of the top 10. That's unreal. Unreal last year. The, the floor is enormous. The ceiling is enormous. The question is, is he worth a second round pick? I, I I guess he is. You know what? No, he is. But here's here's the hesitance in my voice. I'm not going to draft a tight end in the second round. And I've talked about this throughout the series, but for me, there's better value at the position in round six through eight. Whereas, so if you look at where where Kelsey is going to very likely go. It's very likely going to go in the second round. Current ADP on Kelsey uh, has him as the 19th pick overall. You know who's going right before him? Julio Jones. Who's going right after him? Chris Godwin. I mean, you're talking some premium wide receivers. And when you look in round six, seven, eight, where I'm typically looking at tight ends, is there better value going with somebody like Evan Ingram or you know Darius Geis? Is, is there better value going with Tyler Higby or Julian Edelman? You know, I feel like there's, you know, the tight end, and these guys, those were those are back-to-back picks right there in terms of ADP. Ingram is 76, Geis is 77. Uh, Higby is 83, Julian Edelman's 84. And I know the jury's out on Higby. I'm in on him, but, like, replace him with Hunter Henry then. Better value with Hunter Henry or Julian Edelman. I still think it's Hunter Henry potentially there. Anyway. That's why I'm not taking Kelsey or Kittle in pretty much most of my drafts. I think I have a few shares of Kelsey in best ball. I do, looking it up right now. And I have a few shares of Kittle in best ball. That's all I have. Not much. Typically, the value is elsewhere. But it's not a knock on Kelsey because he's freaking awesome. So is Tyreek Hill. We could. It's a very fair thing to say that Tyreek Hill has the highest fantasy ceiling, a weekly ceiling, of any receiver out there. Any week, Tyreek Hill, you know, you, you look at the box score and you say, 
oh, wow, Tyreek Hill had seven catches for 280 yards and three or four touchdowns. Like, yeah, I could see it, <laughs> like any week. But he could also go out and have a couple catches for 25 yards, and, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. You just have to be prepared for that if you draft him. But that roller coaster ride could pay dividends, especially if those weeks come at the right time. So right now, I have him ranked number five among wide receivers, but I do have a relatively tight bunch of the, you know, bunch of these guys together. I think Thomas and Adams are a, a tick ahead, but then I have Julio and Hopkins and Hill and even Godwin all sort of lumped in there. And you can kind of go in any direction based on how you view that tier. By the way, I'll have tiers coming out uh, here in uh, a week or two where uh, you'll be able to, you know, I'll break them down on the podcast, but you'll be able to see how I value these guys against each other. Because I think tiers give you a better look than rankings do. You know, really tells you where the drop-offs are. But beyond Tyreek, probably one of my favorite late-round guys, and I keep seeing his ADP creep up. Come on, people, is McCole Hardman. I mean, look at the numbers from last year. It's completely unsustainable, but it, it just shows you the ceiling. And I'm a sucker for a ceiling in fantasy sports. I'm a sucker for a ceiling. This dude had 26 catches. All right, meh. Well, he had 538 yards. That's 20.7 per. He had six touchdowns. Six of his 26 catches went for touchdowns. He had four catches of 40-plus yards. I, I and, and he wasn't being targeted heavily downfield. You know, it's, it's interesting, like, his air yards don't really paint a very favorable picture. He has 538 receiving yards, he only had 345 air yards. <laughs> like, he got a lot done after catch. Yeah, yak monster. But I still think we see a major uptick in his volume. I mean, we could see a doubling of his targets. I have him just under uh, double. 36 last year, 68 projected this year. Love him and his upside, and I'd rather go that route than go the Sammy Watkins. Guess guess the one week this season that Sammy blows up? Yeah, no thanks. And then beyond that, Demarcus Robinson, I don't think we'll see much of him unless these guys get hurt. So I saved the best discussion perhaps for last, the most intriguing discussion for sure in Kansas City, and that, of course, is this backfield because the team... I don't know if surprise because back in February I did say, hey, Kansas City takes a running back on day two. That's going to be pretty sexy. Oh, no, they didn't take one on day two. They took one on day one, the first running back off the board, the only one drafted in round one, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. How about that? This kid goes from arguably the best offensive team in NCAA history to – the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Like, he goes from a national champ to a Super Bowl champ. I mean, some guys have all the luck. But the big question here, what is the year one impact of Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Because Damian Williams is there. Now, the team did add DeAndre Washington, by the way, in the offseason, a former college teammate of Patrick Mahomes. But I don't, I don't think there's much juice there yet. Darwin Thompson's still on the roster. Not much juice there. It's really... Damian Williams, how much are they going to use Damian Williams out of the gate? And I think they're going to use him out of the gate. I do think we're going to see a committee out of the gate. I do ultimately also think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is just that much better than Williams. He's ultimately going to blow him away. Edwards-Alaire has a Brian Westbrook skill set. And we know how good he was for fantasy purposes back in his days with Andy Reid in Philly. This was not a fluke that they picked this guy. This was one of those, it, yes, it's a luxury pick for sure, 
and it's one that they made, and it's one that I think we're going to enjoy. But do we? Are we going to enjoy it enough to draft Edwards Alaire at his current ADP? Because currently he is coming off the board in the second round. In fact, pick twenty overall. That is pretty healthy right there. RB14 is where he's coming off the board because, remember, we're RB-centric this year, so a lot of running backs going early. But he's going ahead of Leonard Fournette. He's going ahead of Todd Gurley. I know he's, that Gurley's not sexy, but he's going ahead of Chris Carson. I mean, that's, pre- that's pretty close. Um, he's going way ahead of David Johnson. Should he? You know, in my rankings currently, I have... I have Carson at 17, I have Edwards Alaire at 18, I have David Johnson at 19. Should he be going this far ahead of David Johnson? David Johnson currently coming off the board at 38, 18 picks later. I don't think he should. And I think this is one of those examples of people falling in love with rookies that happens every year in fantasy leagues. And then September happens and they get very frustrated because the running back isn't quite what they had hoped. Now, Edward Zolaire, again, down the stretch, love him. I think he's going to explode, especially once we get to about the halfway point. But that means we're going to have to have patience. And a lot of times in fantasy, we only think about what you've done for me lately. You know, what did you do last week? And that's all that matters. And so when we're in the thick of things, remember that if you draft him, he's probably going to go too early for me to get many shares of him at all, which is unfortunate because I like him. But I'm just not going to overvalue Edwards Alaire. I think he's more of a third round pick than a second round pick, and I don't think he's going to get out of the second round in most drafts. So there you have it Kansas City and Jacksonville in the hopper. So coming up on tomorrow's show, we just roll right on here. Uh, up next, we have Los Angeles and Los Angeles. Yes, the Rams and the Chargers. The Rams in a post-Todd Gurley era. So expectations for Cam Akers in his rookie season, Daryl Henderson, Jared Goff, meh, the ultimate meh quarterback right now. Is is that what he is? Bobby Woods, a lot of people loving Bobby Woods, Cooper Cup, my guy Tyler Higby, of course, with the Chargers, a post-Mel Gordon era. So Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, we'll break those guys down, a post-Philip Rivers era. So how long do we see Tarod Taylor under center? When does Herbert take over? And what is the value impact for Keenan Allen, for Mike Williams, for Hunter Hendry? We're doing that on the show tomorrow. Hey, in the meantime... Appreciate everybody reviewing the show on iTunes. If you haven't already, please stop by iTunes, give the show a rating and a review. Greatly appreciate that. That helps us out here. Of course, you can follow along on social media at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram and use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. I see you, Rat Pack. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.